If you are an American, you've probably heard of a sacred civic holiday known as Groundhog Day. It's the day of the year when a groundhog named Puxatani Phil comes out of his burrow and predicts how the weather is going to be. If he sees his shadow, he retreats back into his burrow and uh, we will see six more weeks of winter. If he does not see his shadow, then spring will arrive early. Perhaps that seems a little far-fetched to you, but I'm not sure that uh, it's any less accurate than the predictions of our official weather meteorologists. Now, there's a whole ceremony for this that takes place in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. I'd be surprised if any of us here have gone to it, though maybe you have. If so, let's talk after the service about that. But at least... You might have seen the movie Groundhog Day, if you haven't seen it. The basic premise is that an arrogant Pittsburgh weatherman is forced to go to Puxatani for his annual coverage of the Groundhog Day festivities. He arrives in Puxatani the day before Groundhog Day and stays the night in a bed and breakfast. The next morning, he goes to the festival gives a half-hearted coverage of their events and acts like a jerk to just about everyone he encounters. He makes no attempt at hiding his contempt for the assignment for the small town and the hicks who live there. When he tries to leave, however, the highway is closed due to a unpredicted blizzard, forcing him and his crew to spend another night in Puxatani. To his horror, When he wakes up the next morning, it is not February 3rd, but he is somehow at the start of Groundhog Day again. He is forced to relive the same day over and over and over again throughout the movie. And this happens until he learns his lessons, changes his ways, and then he's able to to go on with his life. The prophet Jonah here goes through a similar experience. Chapter 3 is Jonah's Groundhog Day. If you look at uh, the the first three verses of chapter 3, and then you look at the first few verses of chapter 1, you'll see that they're almost exactly the same. There are some important differences, but... Jonah is given a do-over, as it were. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, The word of the Lord comes a second time. Jonah didn't listen the first time. The Lord told him to go to Nineveh. He, 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 he goes away. He attempts to run away from God, get away from the presence of God, and go down ultimately into the heart of the sea. But uh, now the Lord has sent a fish to swallow Jonah, spat him out on the dry land where he should be, and he's given a, a second chance. Don't miss how gracious that is. It's a big deal to disobey the word of the Lord. In fact, 
No other prophet in scripture do we read of disobeying the word of the Lord and being given a second chance. A few weeks ago, you might recall um, an Old Testament reading we had was 1 Kings 13. 1 Kings 13 gives us an example of uh, what might easily have happened instead to Jonah. Verse 1 of 1 Kings 13 tells us that a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. He was sent by the word of the Lord from Judah to Bethel to prophesy against their wicked king, Jeroboam, and all his idolatry. And he was charged by the word of the Lord to not eat bread or drink water in Bethel. So he goes, prophesies, does a couple of miracles, and you know, says God's going to judge you, heads back to Judah. But what happens is there's an old prophet in Bethel who tricks the man of God into coming to his house to eat and drink. And he tells him, an angel spoke to him by the word of the Lord, telling him he actually can eat and drink. But the text tells us, but he was lying to him. So straightforwardly, this prophet was lying to the other. And as they're at table eating, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet of Bethel, and he cries to the man of God from Judah. Thus says the Lord God, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said, eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. After he eats and drinks, he is mauled by a lion in the road. And that easily could have been Jonah's story. The moment he decided to disobey the word of the Lord. But the Lord was merciful to Jonah. As we saw last week, he even sent that fish to save him from the watery depths of the ocean to bring him back to dry land. The Lord's graciousness to Jonah, despite his sin, despite his disobedience to the word of the Lord, reflects the grace that God has shown to the whole nation of Israel. He was patient and long-suffering with them. How patient was he? Listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 25. For 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants, the prophets, saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers from of old forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own harm. Jeremiah put in 23 years of ministry, faithfully and persistently proclaiming the word of the Lord to his people again and again, over and over, and the people would not listen. So God was patient. He was gracious to the people, giving them chance after chance. 23 years of rebellion keeps sending and sending, and the Lord is gracious to us as well. Every Sunday when we gather for worship, God's word comes to us. And sometimes 
We hear it and we do it. Other times, like Jonah, we run the other way. We've all done it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned everyone to his own way, Isaiah says. But yet, what has happened? The word of the Lord keeps coming again and again. It's coming to you now. Grace upon grace. Let us not presume on this mercy, but give thanks to God for it and respond as we ought to. As Psalm 95 says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. In verse 2, the Lord gives the commission. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. That's very similar to the Lord's original commission in chapter 1, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But there are a couple differences between these commissions. The obvious one is that instead of calling attention to the evil committed, to, committed by the Ninevites, the second commission calls attention to what Jonah is to say, namely the message that the Lord tells him. Jonah might have a thing or two he'd like to say to the Ninevites. Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, Assyria, the northern oppressor of the, of the Lord's people. Jonah might have a thing or two he'd like to say to the Ninevites, but he's not sent there to proclaim his own message. He's sent there as the mouthpiece of God to tell them what God wants to say to them. Another difference is instead of calling Jonah to call out against it in chapter one. The Lord here in chapter three uses a more neutral phrase, which could mean against it, but it could also mean to it, call out to it. Now, both of these changes give little hints that maybe this message won't be to Nineveh's detriment, but to Nineveh's blessing. So Jonah, the word of the Lord comes to him again. He's recommissioned. And what does he do? Think back to what he did in chapter one. He went down to Joppa, down into a boat, and headed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord's presence. Here in chapter three, it says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Jonah does exactly what the Lord told him to. We can't quite see into Jonah's heart how Jonah reacts in chapter 4 to the Lord's mercy on the Ninevites should lead us to question Jonah's heart. But here, at least outwardly, he is complying to God in a way he had not before, and that is a good thing. The psalmist says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Before Jonah was afflicted, he was going astray, but now he's keeping the word. To go astray from the will of God leads to pain and suffering. And in the Lord's mercy, sometimes he allows us to experience these so that we will be shaken awake and led back to him and his law. Afflictions are a great teacher. The rest of verse 3 describes the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, 
Three days journey in breath. That statement, three days journey in breath, has puzzled commentators because we actually have identified the ruins of Nineveh and it does not seem like it would have taken three days to walk, to walk across the city. Some of your Bible footnotes may indicate that another translation would be a visit was a three days journey. This is because literally the Hebrew says Nineveh was a journey of three days. That's what it says. It was an exceedingly great city, a journey of three days. Someone suggested it might have taken three days to go up and down every street in Nineveh. Others suggest Nineveh might refer to not just the downtown proper, but a a larger metropolitan area. Another intriguing suggestion is that this is actually referring to an ancient Mesopotamian custom that took place in larger cities, according to which when there's an important political or religious figure who visits, that visit would take three days to complete. The first day was for the arrival, being received, uh, accommodated. The second day was for the purpose of the visit, to communicate what needs to be done or do the business. And then the third day was for the sending off and the departure. So these larger uh, capital cities had this whole custom in place that took three days when important ambassadors came. And so the first and third days involved meeting with various officials, giving and receiving gifts, preliminary meetings. Now, so those are a few options. I don't know actually which of those is the right option, but just to be aware, any of those is possible. And the point is Nineveh is a large, formidable city. It's the capital of Assyria. Verse 4 tells us what Jonah preached in this great city. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. To understand some of how crazy this is, we need to grasp that in Jonah's time, the nation of Assyria and the city of Nineveh in particular was known for their great cruelty. The prophet Nahum, prophesying a hundred years or so after Jonah, describes Nineveh in this way. Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder. Nineveh was a place of bloodshed, deception, and thievery. Um, There's this video I saw online. You may have seen it, some of you. It depends if you're into niche Christian humor videos, but it's called The Millennial Missionaries. And it's the satirical, it's the satirical uh, video where Quinn and Kylie, millennial missionaries, talk about how they feel called to minister to the scuba instructors on the tropical island of Aruba. And, you know, it's easy to feel called by God to go preach and minister to a nice, beautiful place with friendly people, good food, nice weather, you know, that sort of thing. Jonah was called by God to go deep into enemy territory, into the nation that was constantly at war with Israel, the nation that would soon be taking his people into exile, 
into a city of bloodshed, lies, and thievery. And that's where Jonah was going around calling out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now there's some debate over, did Jonah say more than this, or was this literally all he said? I'm inclined to say that, uh, that there was not more that he said, because his goal was to go around and proclaim it all throughout Nineveh. But even if there was a, lo- a, a longer and more detailed message of some sort behind this, it's important to see this is a faithful summary of what Jonah was saying. And so it is remarkable to note how short this message is. There is no reference to the Lord. No familiar, thus says the Lord. There's no summons for them to repent. No promise of mercy if they do so. One gets the impression that we are dealing with a reluctant prophet here, a prophet who doesn't really want to see the people repent. We'll learn more about that in chapter 4. Okay, so he has this bare bones negative message. 40 days, you're all dead. What happens? Verse 5. And the people of God, the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. And next Sunday, we'll be considering more in detail that fast and their response. Um, But notice for now what verse 5 says. Nineveh believed God. The language here, believed God, might remind us of what Genesis says of Abraham. And Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Pagan Gentiles here are following in the steps of Abraham, the man of faith. The people of Nineveh believed the words of Jonah. Note, not because they were lofty words of persuasion, and not because Jonah himself was sincere and purely motivated. No, they believed the word of Jonah because it was the Lord's word, and the Lord was at work by his word to give life and to call sinners to himself. This should encourage you and I in our efforts to share the gospel. If the whole city of Nineveh repents over a reluctant prophet going around proclaiming, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, then the Lord can use anyone. He can use you and I. Whatever imperfect way you have of of sharing the good news of Jesus dying for our sins. In Luke 11, verse 32, Jesus says that at the day of judgment, the people of Nineveh will rise up and condemn those who rejected Jesus' teaching. Since they repented at Jonah's preaching, and Jesus is much greater than Jonah. Jesus' message was not primarily one of condemnation, yet 40 days, you'll all be overthrown. His message was not primarily one of condemnation, but of salvation. For the Father did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. His message was, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The people of Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes because they heard those eight harsh words of Jonah. How much more should we be encouraged to turn from our sins to Christ, who brings to us the full revelation of God's grace? Let us pray. Father, we praise you for the greater Jonah Christ who came proclaiming your message of salvation. Lord, may we receive this so great a salvation. And may we know the blessing of your spirit and the hope of eternal life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.